Let's pray before we begin. Lord, please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. Mr. C.I. Schofield, who was, or was edited by Mr. Schofield, who was the pastor of Dwight L. Moody. Um, Mr. Schofield and Mr. Moody were close friends, very close friends. So close that they could jest with each other and have fun together. One day they were together and Mr. Schofield was in a serious mood and Mr. Moody was in a joking mood. I guess one of the most disgusting things in the world is to be serious and trying to carry on a conversation with somebody when they're on a joke. Unless it's to be joking and then want to carry on a conversation with somebody who's serious. But they were in that kind of a mood. Mr. Schofield said, Mr. Moody, I'm not sure he said Mr. Moody, but he, uh, he said, uh, if I die before you do, will you preach my funeral? And Mr. Moody said, jokingly, I'd love to. <clears throat> Mr. Schofield, still in a serious mood, uh, said, now, would you preach my funeral? He said, gladly. Mr. Moody said, uh, would you preach my funeral if I die first? And Mr. Schofield said, I'll be, I'll be happy to. I'd consider it an honor to be able to preach a funeral of a great man like you. Mr. Schofield, still trying to get in a serious vein, said, Mr. Moody said, what will you preach on? And Mr. Moody jokingly said, I'd preach on the text, and the beggar died. <clears throat> and then he lightly asked Mr. Schofield what he'd preach on if he died first. And Mr. Schofield said with emotion, I'd preach on the text. And his hand clave under the sword. Mr. Moody did die first. And Mr. Schofield did preach his funeral message. And he did preach on the subject. And his hand clave under the sword. And I guess if a man in this nation's history ever did make his hand cleave to the sword. It was Mr. Moody. These words were said by David about one of his mighty men. David was dying, or about to die. He sat down and listed all the men who stood beside him. And he came down to a fellow's name who was Eliezer. And maybe a smile on his face, at least his heart beat a bit faster, and David said, I recall one time, we're having a battle. And uh, he got his sword and began to fight. And he fought against the Philistines till his hand was weary. And then he said, and his hand clave to the sword. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe his hand was so taught after having taken the sword and fought in battle, maybe that the, that the hand could not, maybe he could not release his fingers from around the sword. I'm not sure. Or maybe he had kept the sword so long that he did not want to let the sword go. Maybe he had something psychological where he had to keep the sword. I'm not sure. 
But at least David said about this mighty man that when the battle was over and the last Philistine had fallen, his hand clave to the sword. Maybe he couldn't put it down. <clears throat> Maybe that's it. Maybe he couldn't put it down. You know, I like a fellow who when the battle's over, he can't put down the sword. Maybe he couldn't. You know, you just can't, you can't keep, stay around this sword and, and then put it down. You can't do it. That's one reason why that uh, sometimes those others who, who stay in the Bible a lot, we talk Bible language. I asked a little stewardess the other day, I said, do you have any orange juice? She said, yes, I do. I said, praise the Lord. She said, do what? I said, pray, oh, excuse me. I said, I'm glad. You know why? I've been in battle and I couldn't put the sword down. Couldn't do it. That's why I was in, I told you the other night, <clears throat> I was in Joplin, Missouri, and uh, I, uh, I signed a check at the restaurant, uh, signed my check, and wrote Jack Hiles, Daniel 12.3. <laughs> Why? I couldn't put the sword down. I'd had it so long, I just couldn't put it down. She called back and said, is your name Dan or Jack? I couldn't put the sword down. Why? I've been using it so much, I couldn't put it down. That's why so often, so often... I, uh, a lady will come by a stewardess on the airplane and say, do you want to have lunch? And I'll say, I'll pray about it. She says, what? I said, I'm sorry, I'll think about it. Why? I can't put the sword down. I can't put the sword down. I read the Bible so much on airplanes that sometimes uh, I'll look over uh, to the fellow beside me and say, how art thou? Why? I can't put the sword down. Can't put the sword down. Maybe that was it. Maybe he'd used the sword so much. And so, by the way, use this sword as much as I do, you have a hard time putting it down too. And so maybe the fellow, maybe he couldn't put it down. Maybe he had to keep it. Or maybe it was the fact that he wouldn't put it down. Maybe he wouldn't put it down. Maybe he didn't want to. People oftentimes say, Brother Hiles, you need to get away from it for a few days. No, I can't get away from it. It follows me. It follows me. I can't put it down. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't want to put it down. Folks say, well, the house said, uh, you need to get some rest. Well, the work I'm in is the resting business. That's what it's all about. Come to me and I'll give you what? Rest. My, my war I give unto you. No, my peace I give unto you. So, the house, you're going you're gonna to crack up. Who in the world ever cracked up? Being in the Word too much. This is the uncracker. That's what it's all about, what it's for. Maybe, maybe it was that Eliezer had the sword and he fought in battle so much that when he got through, he couldn't put it down. Maybe he tried to open his hands and couldn't open his hands. Or maybe he just wouldn't put it down. Maybe he just wanted to keep the sword. Or maybe, maybe he shouldn't put it down. Maybe he shouldn't put it down. You know, I was thinking today, I never have been in my life so proud to be a fundamentalist. And I, I don't know, maybe it'd be good for us to separate the sheep from the goat. Maybe, maybe if they walked in back there and said, okay, uh, by the way, did you know in Texas, in the state of Texas, you know that if you even have a summer youth camp, if a church has a summer youth camp, they've got to get a permit from the state. For the first time in history, you've got to let the state inspect your books. I mean, if a bunch of kids go out to a summer camp. I was reading some of those rules today. Mama, where are you? You didn't hear me right. 
<clears throat> I sleep no rules for the. You got to have for these homes. You got to have a, t a one toilet for every eight people. We didn't have one for anybody. <laughs> it's a wonder I'm even alive. You got to have forty square feet of floor space for every pupil. Forty square feet. We didn't have but 20 square feet for the whole family and the dog. I'm trying to say that, that, uh, that we face a battle. But I want you to know I've never, I've never been so happy and pleased to say I believe this book. I've gotten nowhere on the airplane. I just take it, even though I'm going to read it, and just stick it up so everybody can see me with it. I want to... I mean, I, I don't want to put the sword down. I can't put it down. I wouldn't put it down. And I shouldn't put it down. It's time that God's people just carried the sword with us all the time. Amen. Just carry the sword around. Don't put it down. All the time. Keep it in your hand. Keep it in your heart. Use it. You say, I'm not going to be, in a, ho I'm not going to be a holier than thou. You are in no danger of it. You can be a lot holier than you are now. If that's your attitude. And you won't be holier than many people. I'm simply saying that Eliezer had a sword in his hand and he fought with it. Maybe he wouldn't put it down. Maybe he couldn't put it down. Maybe he shouldn't put it down. But boy, the more I, the more I read about, pick up the article about Dr. Roloff, the Chicago newspaper, the more I want everybody to know I'm a fundamentalist. I believe the book, every word of it. I believe in heaven. I believe in hell. I believe in being born again. I believe in right. I believe in wrong. I believe in discipline. I believe in decency. I believe in honor. I believe in America. I believe in fighting sin. And so I take the sword this morning, and I will not put it down. But if I would put it down, I couldn't put it down. But if I could put it down, I shouldn't put it down. I want my hand to cleave to the sword. Eliezer did. Why? <coughs> Why, in the first place, for battle. His hand clave to the sword for battle. By the way, brother, our weapons are not carnal. We've got to fight with this book. Everything our God has ever done, He's done with this book. Everything. Everything. When the worlds were created, and God created the, the, the earth, heavens, plants, animals, man, how did they do it? You know how He did it. And God said, let there be light. And when it goes down to tell about Jesus creating, it says, in the, it says in John 1, 3, All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And what was He called back in verse 1? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him. Who? Jesus. How? The Word. All of it. The Word of God did it. Don't you recall when our Lord was on the Mount of Temptation? Satan came to him and, get, and tempted him three times. He said, why don't you jump off? said, the, the angel will catch you. Or why don't you command these stones be made bread? Or he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the whole thing. All you see. Three times Jesus, he didn't say, don't you mess with me, boy. I'm the Son of God. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. I'm convinced more than I ever have been convinced that the answer is right here in this book. Amen. The Word of God. When our Lord comes in the clouds of glory, He's going to put down the Antichrist. How is He going to do it? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us how He's going to do it. He's going to put Him down with the Spirit of His mouth, the Word of God. How did Lazarus come out of the grave? Our Lord didn't say, 
He said, Lazarus, come forth at his word. Check some time in the Bible and find out how many times that the miracles happened at his word. It says, at thy word, at his word. The word of God's the answer. That's the reason this church has done what it's done. It's been the fact we have bathed ourselves for 15 years almost. We have bathed ourselves in this book. We have taught it. We have preached it. We have told about it. We have magnified it. We've carried it. We've spread it. We have built ourselves on this book. Let nobody believe this church is built on a few funny stories the pastor tells. We only can tell the funny stories to keep you awake so you can hear the Word. Some of the funny stories don't work on all of you. I'm simply saying for almost 15 years, and you know it's true, for almost 15 years, our hands have, have been cleaving to the sword. And you know it's true from this pulpit that the hand is to cleave, has, has been cleaving to the sword. And that's the answer. The battle that's raging. The war that's coming. The persecution that's going to come. The only victory is in the word. Cleave. His hands did cleave, or his hands cleave under the sword. Everybody seeks the answer. Everybody wants the answer. The answer is right in this book. Our country wants the answer. Fuel crisis. Food problems. Labor problems. Race problems. War problems. Recession problems. What the country doesn't know what these politicians don't know is they've got the answer sitting on the coffee table in their living room. You can open it and read it and obey it and follow it. That's the secret. That's the hope we've got. His hand plays to the word for battle. But there's a second thought. And that is not only did his hand cleave to the word for battle, but the hand, his hands did play, his hands cleave to the word for comfort. For comfort. Let me illustrate. <coughs> One night I got home. Drove up in police cars all around the house. All around the house. Police cars. I mean, there must have been about four or five of them. And policemen with flashlights going all around the house. There's snow all over the ground. Of course. Of course. It was July. And uh, what had happened was somebody had robbed the house next door. Broken in, robbed the house next door. The doctor lives there. And had come over, and the footprints had come to our house. And so the policeman had followed the footprints and followed right to our house. Well, David has a twenty-two rifle. I felt led to get it. <clears throat> I felt led to load it. And I felt led to get it just where all you have to do is just pull that trigger and it blow somebody's head off. Did you ever use it, preacher? No. Would you have? Yep. Yep, and I'd probably got put in prison for defending the house, but I'd have used it. You say you mean you mean you'd have shot somebody? You're supposed to have love. Well, I'd have shot him in love. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have been bitter about it. Of what right do you have to do it? The sword says to do it. Amen. Listen, this Bible is not a. The Lord didn't say preach my cotton. Sword. It's not a knitting needle. It's a sword. It's a weapon. The very, the very fact that Jesus called the Bible the sword means we're supposed to defend and supposed to fight if we have to fight. Amen. So I, I never shot. Never pulled the trigger. But I slept with the 
22 rifle in the bed. Why? Comfort. Comfort. Huh? If I heard noise outside, I'd just reach over and stroke that gun a little bit. And just felt so comforted. That's where this fellow was. This fellow had taken his battle from the sheath and had fought the battle and had killed the Philistines. And then when he all got through, the battle is over. His hand claimed the sword. Why? There might be another Philistine hiding behind the bushes and he wanted to have comfort. And that's what this book gives you. Even if you don't have a battle, it gives you the comfort time and time again. I've fought the battle. I've used the word to fight the battle. And after the battle is over, I found myself alone, still holding on to the word. In the, in the still of the night, when the bullets are no longer heard, and the lights are no longer flashing, and the battle is no longer raging, I found myself still hanging on to the word. Listen, that's the wonderful thing about this book. It's the answer in the battle, before the battle, and after the battle. Amen. It's the answer. Not a problem, young people. There's not a problem we have in this country. Couldn't be solved by the Word of God. Talk about the problems about spanking our children. Just find what the Bible says. Amen. Find what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, when you, if you beat the child, he'll not die. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, he that loveth his child chasteneth him to times, and he that hateth his child spareth a rod. I'm saying that the government that says, don't spank your child, it's not because of love. They hate the child, the Bible says. They hate the child. I just love my child too much to spank him. Once you get in the Word, hang on to the sword. <clears throat> I still believe in, I still believe in fighting. Well, just hang on to the sword. You'll find out that the Bible doesn't agree with you. What this country needs is to cleave to the sword. Amen. Cleave to the sword, cleave to the sword, cleave to the sword. Did it for comfort. You heard me say when Sir Thomas Scott died, somebody came and said, Mr. Scott, what can you do for what you do for you? And Mr. Scott said, Bring me the book. Bring me the book. They said, What book is that? He said, The Bible is just one book. Just one book. I said Wednesday night and I said this morning. It's a disgrace and a shame and an abomination in the sight of God when a Christian reads a newspaper more than he reads his Bible. Some of you folks right here, fundamental Christians, and you come to church and sing the songs of God and give your tithes, and you live pretty clean lives, but in God's dear name, you spend more time watching television than you do reading the Word of God. That's not Christianity. You say, well, I, if I've got to read it, I've got to read it. After a while, you get where you won't got to read it, you'll want to read it. You'll hunt for it. You'll hunt for it. For comfort. I've... i fought some battles in these years. I was, I was talking to Brother Olaf the other day. And I was sort of reminiscing over the years. I recall the first battle, real battle, either one of us ever fought on a, on a large scale. He was on a radio station in Texas. K. Funny thing, when I was in Corpus Christi, the other day I could call the call letters. When I get back up here, I can't even tell you what the, name, the call letters are of the station. Anyway, he was on a station in Corpus Christi, 50,000-watt station, covered the whole state. Texas Baptist Convention owned a building, and they leased the building to a liquor store in Corpus Christi. 
I mean, they owned a convention, owned a building, and a liquor store was in the building, owned by the Baptist Convention of Texas. And Lester got on the radio and exposed it. And so he got put off the station. I recall one day I was, listening, I was on, in, my, in my car driving down Garland Road, and I turned the radio on as Brother Lester, and he was singing, They came, and they were blessed. And he sang, and then he said, But folks, this Brother Lester said, You won't hear my voice on this station much longer. He said, They put me off. He told why. He said, I don't know what I am. He said, The Baptists say I got too much for them. And the Pentecostals say I ain't got enough for them. I don't know what I am. I never was a sorry for anybody in my life. He didn't have a pulpit in Texas. I called him on the telephone. I said, Brother Roloff, I want you to come preach for me at my, my church. At that time, I had the fastest growing church in Texas. And I said, I want you to preach for me. And he began to weep. And he said, Brother Jack, he said, your pulpit is the only pulpit in America open to me today. Only one. Only one. I said, that's all you need, just one. Come on. wasn't long until I fought a battle. The darkest day of my life, the telephone rang. Brother Olaf picked up the phone and said, Brother Jack, you're dead, ain't you? I said, I'm dead. He said, Brother Jack, ain't nobody ever got resurrected, didn't die first. And I said, I'm about to get resurrected because I'm dead. He said, welcome to the fraternity of the free. I never did like to join lodges anyhow, you know. But, uh, and so, in my battle. And then he fought another battle. And then I fought one here. And now he's there. But I'll tell you what, I've learned some things. I've learned that the answer is just stay in the Word. Just hold the sword. Just to stay in the... I mean, just let your hand cleave to the sword. That's the answer. And then after the battle's all over and the night has come, and maybe it's the darkest night of your life, best thing to do is get along with the sword and just, just stroke the sword. You know, sometimes the Bible gets so sweet, I want to pet it. You know, Jerry gets... Do you ever read the Scripture and you want... Huh? I, sometimes I caress it like that. Sometimes at night in my room somewhere, I'll have preached it all day long, and it's been so sweet, and I've read some promises. I'll take the Bible, and I'll just, I'll just caress it, or maybe I'll just pat it like that. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Father. What a book. How long you been, how much you read it lately? Huh? What do you think about it? Say, I, I love it. I believe it. I know. You believe from cover to cover, but never open the covers, do you? It's amazing. <laughs> oh, a little, oh, who was it? Uh, uh, Billy, Billy Bray. Was it Billy Bray? Who was the Nazarene? Uncle Bud Robinson. Uncle Bud Robinson said, said, you can take the smallest, weakest promise in the Bible and stretch it and stretch it and stretch it all over hell and said you can do cartwheels on top of it. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. Comfort. His hand it claves to the Bible. His hand claves. Why? For comfort. Why? For battle. Why? For courage. For courage. This is my teddy bear that I sleep with at night. This is what, what do you call a teddy bear? You sleep with it up. Crutch. What? Security. It's my security blanket. Right here. Honestly, really. Did you ever have a child that had to sleep with a teddy bear? Or well, What are some things your child slept with, had to have it before you could sleep? Raise your hand and I'll call on you. Huh? What is it? 
What? Winnie the Pooh? <clears throat> Anybody needs a Winnie the Pooh, that's just important. Who else? Uh-huh. A blanket? What else? What else? Raggedy Andy. A silky pillow. Well, this is my Raggedy Andy right here. This is my Winnie the Pooh. You know why? Because I've got to have it. The other night I was, <laughs> I was about to preach. Brother Roloff was introducing me, and he wanted, he wanted a Bible, and he didn't have his. He said, Brother Jack, let me have your Bible. He came over and got my Bible, brought it up here. And there I sat over there about to preach and didn't have a Bible. And I thought, good night. I got scared, really honestly. I had to have my Winnie the Pooh, my Raggedy Ann. I got scared. He said, now, Brother Jack's going to go. And listen, from, from right over there where I was sitting to right here, it seemed like a mile and a half. Why? I didn't have it. I mean, the Bible. I can stand up somewhere. But what to do with my hands? Why? Because I'm always carrying the Bible. I can't do it like this. Can't do it. I've got to do it like this. Why? I got my security blanket. And by the way, that's what this is. That's what this is. It's it, it's for battle. His hand is, his hand plays the sword for battle. His hand plays to the sword for comfort. His hand plays to the sword for courage. I am. Um, my phone's been ringing pretty heavy lately. Brother Ed Nelson said to me, I conducted an hour's telecast for the roll-off of the, of the night, Thursday, Friday night, 7 8, on prime time, one of the stations there, <clears throat> one hour. And Brother Ed Nelson said, Dr. Howes, you're going to have to be going a lot. I don't know what, what he meant by that, but I've made a vow to God that anywhere a preacher is in trouble, if he needs me and wants me, I'll go to him. I'll go to him. We face some real battles. In fact, we face so many battles. We better just let our hand cleave to the sword. Just cleave to the sword. And I was thinking... On the airplane yesterday morning, I got the Bible out and I was reading it. <laughs> it wasn't while I get a little. I hardly ever get cute in public, but it wasn't while I get. I want. I want. I want to be cute. I, I know I failed, but I. I, I want. I, you know, like the waitress came. Stewardess came by and said, "You want breakfast?" And I said, "I'm having it." She said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "This is milk, and it's meat, and it's bread. By the way, it's beef. It's not pork." And uh, I said, it's milk. And it's bread. She said, what do you mean? And I said, little lady, I said, all these years I've been feasting from the milk of this book. And I've been feasting from the bread of this book and the meat of this book. And I said, if you don't mind, I don't think I want to eat this morning. I'm already eating. I'm already eating. And I got to thinking... 28 years, 28 and a half years, I've been preaching this book. I've been believing this book. I've been holding up this book. I've been learning this book, memorizing this book and using this book. I just think I'll go ahead and finish it out the same way. Finish it out the same way. And if the day comes, those doors, and by the way, it's closer than you think. If the day comes, those doors swing open back there. And in walks uniformed people. 
They walk up here to the pulpit. And they say, you're going to have to, you got to, you got to, we got some rules you're going to have to obey from Indianapolis or Washington to keep this church going. By the way, just go ahead and either, if that's what you want to do, just call you another pastor and go right ahead, but I'm not going to do it. Amen. I mean, as far as the running of the church is concerned, the, the government's not going to tell us what we're going to do Amen. in this church unless we break a, a law of the land. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to have in this, they're not going to check what we preach and what we do and how we teach. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They just won't do it. And if they ever say, okay, or if it gets worse than that, and it could get worse than that. It could, and we're closer to Soviet Russia communism than any of us dare to realize. If they walk in here and they say, mister, you can't preach Jesus anymore. And you can't preach the Bible. Do you know it's a, it's a crime in Russia to print a Bible? You, know, you get three years in the penitentiary for having a Sunday school in Russia. They say, how about the First Baptist Church in Moscow? That's just window dressing, trying to deceive people like you. You go to Russia and try to start a church. Take your Bible and try to start a church. See what happens. They walk in those doors back there. And, they, and I'm convinced that in my lifetime they will. <clears throat> you heard Dr. Van Impey. Dr. Van Impey uh, said that, that, that Dr. Al Janney, one of the most brilliant preachers in America, has seen the list of men that the Russians will kill first if they take over this nation. And he said they had a list of ten in my names in the top ten. When they do, they walk in the door and say, okay. I mean, I got it all planned. I'm just going to cleave to the word. It's going to cleave to the Word. Brother, if I leave this whole world holding on to the Word, what better way could you enter heaven than hanging on to the Word of God? The first thing you say to Jesus, Jesus says, what you got in your hand? I got your book. I preached it for all those years. I told people about it. Lord, I always believed it. I didn't always understand it, but I always believed it. I didn't always do it justice, but I always loved it. I didn't always understand what you said in it, but I always read it. And Lord, I stood for the Word. That's all that matters. Oh, may this preacher hand cleave to the Word. And may this church's hand cleave to the Word. That's the only answer. And by the way, this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, uh, the answer is to cleave to the Word of God. So, Brother Howells, I tell you what, I know I'm saved because I was there when it happened and ought to know. I know I'm saved because my hand is cleaving to the promises of this book. Well, I know I'm saved because I tingle. I tingle one time when I ate too many onions at night. No, you're not saved because you tingle. You're saved because you trust the Word. And your hand cleaves the Word. I know I'm saved because, because uh, I, felt, I felt shock treatment going out of my ears. I felt the same thing when I stuck my finger in a wall socket one time. No. You're saved because you believe the Word. Amen. Believe the Word. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweet refrain, but holy, lean on Jesus' name, the Word. David said, gather around me. People won't talk to you. I won't tell you about some men. It's been a lot to me. I won't tell you about Eliezer. He took a sword one day and he slew Philistine after Philistine. His hand got weary. His hand clave to the sword. There's one who's going to sit on the throne of David one of these days, the second David, more mighty than the first David, the root and offspring of David, 
the one who's going to sit on David's throne. And I hope when he's there, he can say, I won't tell you about one of my mighty men. I won't tell you about old Jack Hyams. He fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. And after the battle was over, his hand clave to the Word of God. What does this book mean to you this morning? Huh? What does it mean to you? You ashamed to carry it? Huh? You own a business? You fellows, 40 or 50 of you here own businesses. And folks walk in. Do they see the sword? Huh? They see the sword? You know, people who go to public schools, when you walk down the hall, <coughs> our school for that matter, do folks see the sword? Huh? Huh? What does it mean to you? How did you what? If you do not love and read the word now, what are you going to do when they stick a gun in your head? Huh? Our Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening. And if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group, Jesus Answers Prayer. May God bless your day. Hello, we are Mark and Pearl Lambert, and we are the ministers of Jesus Answers Prayers. If you like this ministry, please help support it. The link to donate is found in the description below. Thank you and God bless.